Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you're anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. We're here to help make government contracts better one contract at a time. Today, we're talking about one of those only in the government situations. You have a contract, but it's not funded, so you can't work. All right, here we go with availability of funds. Today, we're talking about availability of funds. One of our Skyway community members posted a question in our Ask a Contracting Officer forum about whether contracts can be held up for award awaiting funding, like if Congress hasn't approved a budget, (laughs) for example. The short answer is yes. However, no surprise, (laughs) there's like a nuance to this this answer. Namely, you got to have a few clauses in the contract. All right, before we get to those clauses, let's stop and say thanks. Thanks this week goes to Ron Mann. Ron is the vice president of T3I Incorporated. T3I specializes in providing special operations-based operational support services and training. They are a niche. T3I is headquartered in San Diego, though Ron's in San Antonio, Texas. I want to thank Ron specifically for being an active podcast listener and providing personalized feedback, as well as reaching out to our team for support. Ron explained how he likes our training tools and how they come in small, manageable doses instead of long-winded PowerPoint, death by PowerPoint training. And he also explained how he applied what he learns on the podcast. The direct feedback we get from folks like Ron is what allows us to make this podcast a little better week after week over five years. Thanks, Ron. Well, we need it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, back to availability of funds. What are we talking about today? Starting right with FAR time, FAR part 32 is contract financing. Exciting. It says this part prescribes policies and procedures for contract financing and other payment matters. Paragraph D of that intro is contract funding, including the use of contract clauses, limiting costs or funds, which is what we're talking about here. It says a lot of other things, but that's paragraph D. A lot of other things related to money. All right, diving into part 32, 32.703-2 is contracts conditioned upon availability of funds. And I'm going to read a little here, so try not to nod off on me. (laughs) 32.703-2A is fiscal year contracts. The contracting officer may initiate a contract action properly chargeable to funds of the new fiscal year before these funds are available, provided that the contract includes the clause 52.232-18, availability of funds, which is from April 1984. Yeah, this <laughs> 35-year-old clause. That's just funny to me. And the clause is a very short clause. It says, funds are not presently available for this contract. The government's obligation under this contract is contingent upon availability of appropriated funds from which payment for contract purposes can be made. No legal liability on the part of the government for any payment may arise until funds are made available to the contracting officer for this contract, and until the contractor receives notice of such availability to be confirmed in writing by the contracting officer. All right, I'll stop reading for a second. That was a mouthful. Let's talk about this. It says right up front, there are no funds, and you're not going to get paid, and the government doesn't have any liability to pay you until you get a note in writing From the contracting officer saying, okay, funding is available, get going. So in other words, do not start working. 
Do Even if you get not. the contract in the mail, do not start working until you get something in writing saying that the funding has showed up. This situation, this clause really only applies for operation and maintenance and continuing services type contracts. And O&M and continuing services contracts that are, number one, necessary for normal operations, and number two, for which Congress previously had consistently appropriated funds unless specific statutory authority exists permitting applicability to other requirements. So again, that's a lot of reading, big mouthful there. What it says is if you have an O&M contract or continuing services contract that happens every year, then this clause applies. And this is a judgment call because it says necessary for normal operations. The definition of normal is going to be up to the government team. And then where Congress has previously and consistently approved funds. Again, what's the definition of consistently? Every five years, every year? In this case, what they're thinking is every year because this is one-year money. Yeah, and it's, re- it's really not as tricky as um, we're kind of making it sound tricky. This is pretty much every standing O&M continuing services kind of thing. Right. There, there's not a lot of nuance there. If it's something you've done before and it's something that you need to get the job done, then, then it counts here. It's just worth mentioning the nuances because there are cases where it doesn't apply. There you go. Okay. So that was paragraph A of 32.703-2. Here's paragraph B. Indefinite quantity or requirements contracts. A one-year indefinite quantity or requirements contract for services that is funded by annual appropriations may extend beyond the fiscal year in which it begins, provided that, number one, any specified minimum quantities are certain to be ordered in the initial fiscal year. And we talked about that in the IDIQ episode. You you have to place a a minimum order in order to make the contract real. You got to do that in that first year. Correct. Subparagraph B2 is provided that the contract includes the clause at 52.232-19, last one was 18, availability of funds for next fiscal year, also from way back in the 80s. Isn't that amazing? And 52.232-19 says the same thing as 232-18, except it has places in there to fill in the actual date. So it says funds are not presently available for performance under this contract beyond blank. Blank. And you fill in the date and there's, there's the rest of it says the same thing with another fill in for the date. But this is where the government says, all right, we don't have any money past September 30th. So don't keep working there. Or it could say in the middle of a year, we don't have any money past March 30th because we already ran out of money. If we get more money available for this, then we'll put it on the contract and let you know. Otherwise, you got to know this is all the money you're going to get. And this is why some of these clauses can be tricky because that's just a fill-in in one clause in you know how many pages of clauses, but it's a critical one. This is where the government says, stop work on this date if we don't give you more money. If you work past that, you're working at risk. And you really need to make sure that you don't get surprised by that. And I'm raising my hand because I had a company that didn't see this clause. I thought it was really obvious because, again, I'm a, I'm a geeky contracting officer. They didn't think to look for it. They didn't see the fill-in and they kept working two weeks later and then we had a ratification and it was a, it was a thing. Yeah, so let's pro- not have that thing. Right. That's probably a situation where a little communication about what's buried in the contract, those important things, might have uh, headed that off at the pass. 
but well, I thought it was obvious. Everybody reads right. the contract. That's right? how we learn. That's how we learn. Right? <laughs> you filled in the blanks, so you knew it was there. Exactly. It must right? be clear to everybody. And just to be clear on how this clause works, thirty-two dot seven hundred three two paragraph C is acceptance of supplies or services, and it says the government shall not accept supplies or services under a contract conditioned upon the availability of funds until the contracting officer has given the contractor notice to be confirmed in writing that funds are available. So again, that's a lot of reading for one podcast, but that's the situation you're talking about. They kept working for two weeks. You couldn't accept those two weeks of work because you didn't have the money. The contractor can't say, it's okay, we know the money's coming. We're just going to keep working here or keep delivering this. You can pay us later. Don't worry about it. That's not the way it works. That is a slippery slope. Nothing lies down that road but pain. All right, I talked a little bit about how a little communication might have headed things off. Let's pause and cover the when, acquisition time zones, and execution time zones part of the podcast. In the acquisition time zones, you're first thinking about this in, what, the market research zone when you're putting together the RFP, the draft RFP. That's when you're inserting these clauses into the contract or filling in the blanks. During the RFP zone, when the final RFP is released, this is where a contractor should be aware that this clause is in there. And there may be a point during performance where they have to stop work if funding is no longer available or the next tranche of funding is not available. And to your point earlier about the, the fill-ins on that one clause on the dash 19, that's going to be in full text. So you'll be able to see it in the RFP, which again, I assume everybody found it because they're reading the whole RFP, but that's when you're going to see it is in the RFP zone. Yeah. Moving over to the execution time zones, the honeymoon zone is a great place to communicate this, right? Your contractor that kept working because they didn't see it, if there had been a kickoff, even a telephone telephonic kickoff, I'll say it that way, even if there was a Zoom or Skype call or something to kick it off, <laughs> you said, hey, just so you know, we only have money until this point. Don't screw that up. During the performance zone, you want to be looking for this cause again and communicating is funding going to run out? Is is there a limit on when the funding is available for this year? Is is there fin funding available through the entire fiscal year, or is it going to stop at some point? If is it if it's incrementally funded, these are this is a clause you really want to be watching, right? And if you're not familiar with the acquisition time zones, they're in episode number three. And if you're not familiar with the execution time zones, they're in episode number eighty four. It's time to get specific about why the government cares and why industry cares. Let's start with the government, Kevin. The government cares because. As a contracting officer, my schedule is not being held up by the funding process. I don't have to wait for the funding to show up before I start to get this contract in place. Funny thing is, the award schedule isn't being held up, but if the money's not there, the work's not actually getting done, which you go back to the purpose of a contract is to deliver something. Right. <laughs> right. And so there, there's a mixed blessing here that you can get it done and go, okay, we got a contract, but we still don't have funding. It also allows the government the ability to award contracts ahead of when performance starts. Right. So you can get an early start. Like you can, you can have a, a contract in place on, I don't know, the middle of August for a contract that actually isn't going to start to get funding in October. Yeah. And that way you're not scrambling as much. Yeah. If your source selection schedule has a little buffer in it and you manage to keep it to schedule and you get the source selection done and the award ready in August or September for the next year, you could, with this clause, award and just let the contractor know when the funding actually arrives. 
works the same way like for option exercises. You could get the option exercise mod out of the way early, but contingent on the funds actually showing up so you can put them on the contract. It kind of creates a safety net for the government in case funding does not really come through. It, it keeps the contracting officer from having an, an anti-deficiency act violation, which is that's the law that says thou shalt not spend money that you don't have. And so this gives them the get out of jail free card that says, okay, well, we have the contract in place, but we told them that, that they can't start work. So they're not actually spending money yet. These clauses are included. One of them is included in most every contract that's likely to be renewed, like like operational support type, type contracts. It's really the, the just in case clause. It's there just in case the funding that we all expect to be here isn't here. Another factor to consider is this is only for one year money. Okay, this is only operations and maintenance money. And if you're not familiar with the colors of money, that's in episode 19, we talk about all these different types. But only one year money is where you can use this. Episode 19 is called Colors of Money. This, this is not to be toyed with. I mean, regular contract funding issues can, can burn a contractor or, or an agency, right? Uh, proposals that are written for contracts that may not be funded, that's financially and emotionally expensive. So don't just have this, oh, well, we'll put this RFP out just in case it's funded. That's not a good way to use this. Be sure to understand and communicate the real risk of this clause being activated by the funding not actually being there. Yeah, that's important, government folks. If, you, if you're going through budget drills and you see that there's some risk that this program might fall out or be different than you expected, let the contractor know if, if they're already on contract that, hey, something's going on. Be prepared. Don't just... Don't just have it fall out of the sky. The surprises are not good. And, and more often than not, the funding is probably not going to go to zero, but it'll shrink. So that's, I've had that happen several times where we had availability of funds and we thought we we're going to get a million dollars and we got 700,000. So we're going to have to do a little bit of scrambling. But communicating that as soon as possible is pretty smart. Yeah, like you said, and that clause allows you to say, hey, there's only 700,000 available, so that's all that you can work. And you may actually go about modifying the contract scope at that point to change it, but the clause is that just in case, there, it's there. Let's flip over to the industry side. Why does industry care about this clause? This is effectively pre-booking a sale. I mean, it's, well, you're pre-booking a contingent sale, right? <laughs> yeah. Assuming that there's funding. But, but, you know, be, be on the lookout for these clauses in your RFPs. Like you were saying before, Paul, most contracts have at least one of these. But if the second one, the Dash 19 with the fill-ins, if that's in there, that's a big indicator. A contract without funding is essentially useless. You can have a big party that you won, but <laughs> you don't actually get anything for it except <laughs> for that piece of paper with the signature on it. So be sure you're tracking this and don't celebrate too soon. This is important enough that it, question number eight in the RFP score addresses this. The RFP score is a tool that Skyway community members use to assess their likelihood of winning a contract. It uses a multiple choice questions and a weighted algorithm based on FAR 7.105 to score an opportunity, the likelihood of you winning it, right? We did a series of episodes, episode 182, 187, and 191 that kind of walk through the elements of the RFP score. But anyway, but question number eight, right, says... How confident are you that the government customer needs this requirement? Are you confident that this requirement will be awarded and fully funded throughout the life of the contract? That question is addressing this very topic. And the scale of answers goes from, we have absolutely no idea how this is funded or even how to find out, all the way up to, 
yes, we absolutely know it's going to be funded because this is one of those recurring things or something the government buys all the time. Regardless of everything else we've talked about here, open communication can really smooth out the wrinkles. Industry folks, your government counterparts generally know in advance if there's any risk to the funding being pulled. There's lots of chatter on the government side about budget availability. And if things are going to change from the budget requests that they put in, if they're not going to get all the money they asked for or not going to get all the money in the places they asked for it, then there's a scramble behind the scenes to figure out Mad how to scramble. fund everything. And yeah. the, that word gets out. So when you start hearing those things, government folks, if you just give your industry counterparts a heads up that, hey, this one's starting to look like it it may not happen. This might fall below the funding availability line this year. You might not get it. Just, just let them know so it's not a surprise. And speaking of surprises, it's already time to wrap this one up. For the government folks, for standing recurring contracts, you use this clause to get ahead of the end of year rush, uh, the end of fiscal year rush. I found it very effective for that because there's there's risk, but it's low risk that you're going to award a contract that's not going to be funded. I mean, for, for me, the time it saved me to not have to scramble in the last two weeks of September to get things like option exercises and mods and all the, all the things that are tied to funding was worth the risk. Like I said before, there was only one time as a contracting officer that I had some of the funding fall through and it didn't fall all the way through to zero. It was just less, right? It was that million versus 700,000. And we negotiated the change during the honeymoon zone, <laughs> which we didn't call it that at the time. But during that first kickoff meeting, we, we fixed it. Industry folks, be sure you understand what this clause means when it's in the RFP. If there's a clause with fill-ins in there, make sure you're tracking to when the funding is available and when it stops being available. There's risk in winning a contract without funding. Like you said, it's, it's low risk. To alleviate that risk, research the current and previous contracts. Is this a new requirement? Is this a recurring contract that's funded every year, like question eight in the RFP score? If it's been funded for decades, then history is leaving clues. Yeah, That clause is, is in there because it's a low risk. If it's a new contract and that's in there, or how about this? If it's an R&D funded project that has that in there, eh, it might not happen, right? Also, remember to just talk to your government counterparts. If you have relationships with the government folks, with your CO, with your COTAR, with your contract specialist, then funding availability is rarely a complete surprise. If it's going to fall through, you'll know. All right, that's it. I'll talk to you later, Kevin. All right, I'll see you, Paul. All right, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this podcast, we invite you to check out the Skyway community at skywaymember.com. The Skyway community is the essential resource for anyone at any stage of starting, running, or growing a business in the government world, in the GovCon world. We speak GovCon. You can join as a personal member for only $20 a month and get access to all of our training resources, webinars, blogs, mini training sessions. As a professional member, you'll receive all that plus access to our tools like the RFP score and access to the Ask a Contracting Officer forum to get your specific questions answered by the team. Premium members get all that, plus consulting from our team of former contracting officers. To learn more, give us a call at 877-884-5280 or check us out at skywaymember.com. Once again, thanks for joining us here on the Contracting Officer Podcast, and we'll see you next week.